Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom podcast, where we take the challenges that exist all around us and learn how to interface with them in a way that ultimately supports us to bloom and even thrive. My name is Casey Kingry, and I'm so thrilled to be with you here today. Uh, You know, my whole business and my growth path and my whole life is really set upon the shoulders of this ancient famous saying, um, well, it's not ancient anymore as Thich Nhat Hanh just recently passed away, but based on his ancient wisdom. And that saying is no mud, no lotus. And so it is my belief that everyone in life will get dirty. I mean, life will life all over us, no matter who we are, no matter where we live, no matter how much money we have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That life will life all over all of us, but not everyone will choose to learn from it. Not everyone will have the awareness and the bandwidth and the regulation and the curiosity and the commitment and the compassion and the strength and the devotion to use the dirt to turn into fertilizer, to really bear fruit and growth and gardens and foliage and flowers in your own life. So that's my long-winded way of saying, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a person that wants to turn your mud into beauty. And I don't say this in a trite way. I say this as the lens that I'm choosing to to live my life through um, because it makes it feel better. It makes me inspired and it makes any pain or any resistance or any disappointment or any frustration I feel, it, it makes it mean something. And it gives me a way to work with those elements of my life in a way that is fruitful. It allows me to be in the driver's seat of my own life instead of falling into a victim mentality that seems to always be waiting there for me. So thank you. I invite you into this lens, into this way of seeing life, Uh, no mud, no lotus, that really truly it is the challenges and the obstacles and the resistance in life that can grow us into who we are. And if we stay present and if we manage our minds and if we lean into love and compassion and connection along the way and, and view it as a journey, then it gets to be just that. It gets to be quite the ride. And so I'm here to be on this ride with you and to share of my experience, of my knowledge in the yoga world, in the coaching world, in my world, um, in the hopes that what I learn in my own life could be of benefit and of value to you. So let's do that. Today, we're here to talk about this interesting phenomenon that I see, of course, in my own self all the time and a lot of times in the clients that I work with. And that is, it's this human, um, it's part of our wiring. And I think that we don't even know that we're doing it really consciously. And it's our tendency as humans to want to use negative energy or negative emotion to try to fuel a positive result. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So in this podcast, I'm going to shed light on on this particular part of the process of transformation and change that might be invisible or unseen or unconscious to all of us. But as I bring it into the light, I invite you to pay attention to your own body and how it feels for you to receive this information, because chances are this is alive in all of us. We, We just may not know it or see it in this way yet. So really observe yourself and what's available to you as as we discuss and sort of parse apart this phenomenon. 
Um, I'm going to offer to you uh, that there are certain strategies that we each use to get our needs met. And this might be an opportunity for you to, um, to build some awareness around your particular strategies. Um, I'll give you some examples of how this could be showing up for you and how it might be affecting you. And I'll also give you examples of a different path to take, okay? A, a different alternative uh, rather than using negativity to try to get something good, right? Or to try to create something good. So this feels very subtle and also very profound to me, which is sort of the name of the game when it comes to my work. I feel that a lot of people expect these big swinging epiphanies and these big sort of like long clouds parting moments where everything just kind of falls into place. And certainly I have those moments and we all have those moments, but really it's about just these little nuggets of like, oh, oh, I didn't see it that way. Oh, I didn't know I was doing that. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, and now that I can see it, how even sometimes just seeing it can make it feel or show up differently for you. So um, a lot of times awareness and information and just understanding yourself more makes it so that there's less to quote unquote change or heal or fix. So I'm here to kind of bring this pattern into the light and hopefully illuminate a different path. So like I said, one of the strategies that I as a coach tend to work with my clients to reroute when it comes to creating pattern change or behavior change or breaking cycles or writing a new story in their life is people's tendency to utilize negative emotion to then fuel or generate or elicit positive outcomes, positive behavior, positive creations, positive results. So um, this it's so curious to me and it's so obvious to me once I see it. So let me kind of zoom out for a second and just kind of explain to you how um, our systems, our ecosystems, if you will, as humans work. So there's this thing in coaching, it's called the model. Brooke Castilla coined it. She is at the helm of what's called the Life Coaching School. Um, so when I refer to the model, it's Brooke's model specifically. But this, this concept exists in many different veins. And so if you're curious about it, I can, I can send you to Brooke if you're interested in coaching or if you're interested in what this looks like in the coaching world specifically, or I could direct you to Joe Dispenza's work, specifically the book called Becoming Supernatural. And, and he deals a lot with the energetics of the mind and the body and the, the thoughts and emotions and how they fit together and how to reroute all of that. So if this jazzes you and you want to dig deeper into this rabbit hole, I would, I would pick up Joe Dispenza's book, Becoming Supernatural. Let me know how that, how that lands for you. Um, but anyway, the model tells us essentially that, that every time we think a thought, it generates a chemical response inside of our body, right? And there's so many things going on just in already that, that first layer of the model is that, that our thoughts happen so quickly that we think that they're automatic and therefore we think that they are just true, but really they're just sentences in our brain, right? 
So the, the thought comes that we assume is true and we assume we have no control over because it happens so quickly. The thought comes and by thinking the thought, the body is so amazing. Your body literally generates a hormonal rush in response to whatever type of thought you're thinking. So if you're thinking a stressful thought, your body's going to flood with cortisol, uh, uh, epinephrine, uh, you know, uh, norepinephrine, uh, uh, adrenaline, you know, it's going to fill your system with all these hormones that that jack you up make you stress make you anxious and make you feel a certain way conversely if you're thinking benevolent thoughts hopeful thoughts thoughts grounded in in trust and and altruism and power and purpose and brilliance and love then those elicit a completely different hormonal response from your internal system so if you're you're in that landscape of thought the hormonal rush might be comprised of of uh, dopamine or serotonin or oxytocin, any of those feel-good hormones. And this is important because humans think like 60,000 thoughts every day. And this is in another, another one of my podcasts. And it's funny because my brain doesn't remember specifics a lot of times. And you'll know that about me when you listen to my podcast. And I'm okay with that because it's not really about that. Um, but we think like 60,000 thoughts a day. And something outrageous like uh what is what are their percentages i could probably look it up right now if i wanted to um a huge percentage of those thoughts are repetitive so we think the same thoughts as we think today as we did yesterday as the day before as the day before and then a huge percentage of those thoughts are also negative all right so what does that mean for us in terms of the model it means that we're thinking a lot of thoughts that are the same as the, all, all the thoughts that we've always been thinking for our whole lives and that most of them are negative. And so that means that most of us are living with this negative hormone, so to speak, flooding through our systems. And so the thoughts that we think most often generate the hormones that we also feel the most often. And that concoction together becomes the internal state that we carry around inside of us, that we live inside of us most often. And then we use that internal state to then generate our behavior. And then it's our behavior the action that we take or do not take in the world that then creates our reality, the life that we live inside of. And so how you feel inside of yourself matters. How you feel most consistently, most regularly, most habitually, most repetitively, like that is basically like the form, the, 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 the building blocks, the bricks that will ultimately describe the texture of your life, okay? So it matters. The relationship between your thoughts and your feelings and how you approach it every day from one day to the next, it matters. Because if we don't view this, if we don't look at this cycle, if we don't look at that rep, uh, 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 relationship, then like I said, most of our thoughts are repetitive and most of them are negative. And that's your brain's protective mechanism. Your brain is built to protect you. So these ancient uh, uh, prehistoric uh, parts of our brain, specifically the amygdala, are built to scan for danger, ways that we're going to literally die or be injured or be severed from the pack, cease to belong, right? So your brain is scanning for that all day, every day. That part of our brain has not evolved, but the conditions that we live in have. Okay, so if we don't see the relationship between our thoughts and our feelings, then we're going to just take all of this as truth. 
we're going to think that we have no control over it, that it just is, and that we just have to live inside of it, right? And so I'm here to say that that's not the case. I'm here to say that that if you're living inside of this cycle and it doesn't feel good, that that's probably very normal and it takes intention and consciousness. It takes us being awake and participating in our lives from that awake, intentional, conscious state in order to reroute this cycle. All right. So now hopefully I've done a good job of painting the picture of like why this is important and how on like a a very fundamental, literally cellular level, how this comes alive inside of your body. So when we go out to do the things in our lives that we think are important, if we're going out to achieve all of those big things, but we're beating ourselves up in order to get there, imagine what that's creating inside of yourself in terms of the model. What thoughts you have to think about yourself to generate a negative feeling that's big enough to compel you into action. And here's what we know about the model is that whatever thoughts and feelings you create, excuse me, whatever thoughts and feelings you use to generate your action and create something, whatever the thing is that you create will take on the flavor of the thoughts and the feelings that you used to generate them. All right. So if you choose thoughts of not enoughness and lack, then whatever it is that you're creating will will smell of it. (laughs) Right. Will will also be created with the 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 fragments, the fibers, the threads of lack. And so then the creation itself will then embody those negative thoughts and feelings. Does this make sense? So whatever you create will ultimately be laced with the energy that you use to create it with. And this is also important because it's like our brains tend to think that over there will somehow be magically different than right here. And the model tells us that if we're using stress and pressure and negativity to generate ourselves into getting something done, we tell ourselves that, oh, once I get the, the business up and running, once I, once my family, once my kids are older, like once, once I have my family, then I, then I won't be like this. Then I can relax. Then I can have more fun. Then I can, then I'll have more patience. Then we'll have more money. It never works that way, right? That's not how energetics work. However, whatever you use to create something will be the same thing you use to keep it going. Okay. So unless you want to, to, Okay, so I'll just back up. So that that's why this is important. I get very excited, all right? So the way you get there is the way that it will be when you get there. And so this is what I really want to highlight, that if we get in the habit, in the pattern, in the cycle of using a negative emotion to fuel a positive result, what that ultimately means for that thread of your life or for the story or narrative of your life, it means that something will ultimately always have to be wrong in order for you to access the motivation for, your, for you to be right. Okay. And I'd like to pause here and just note that I'm using a lot of positive, negative, right, wrong. And I categorically don't believe in any of those things. I don't believe that there is right or wrong, that it's all just like this big spectrum of human experience, but I'm using these labels because our minds understand them. And so instead of positive or negative or right or wrong, we could always um, substitute those labels with unwanted emotions and experiences and 
and wanted emotions. Like we, we have undesirable sensations, undesirable feelings, unwanted emotions and experiences versus the desirable ones. So that's what I really mean. But these positive, negative, right or wrong, it's just very on the surface. But please know, like, I don't believe any of your emotions are wrong. I don't believe any of your experiences are wrong. I believe it's all part of the fabric of what it has taken to get you to where you need to be right here, right now, okay? So ultimately, if we live our life this way, that if we have to access something unwanted or undesirable in order to tap in and create something that is desirable, what that means is that we will always need something to go wrong so that we can create something that we deem to be right. Okay. And that kind of sucks. I think that just means that there always has to be a problem in order for me to compel myself to action. There always has to be something going wrong in order for me to access the internal resources that I need in order to create the life that I want to live in. Right. And so, and then we, so, so we do this, we create a scenario, right? That's what it is. We create a scenario, a way of doing things that requires something to go wrong in order for you to compel yourself to be right. And then we all look around and wonder why things keep going wrong, right? And it's because subconsciously somewhere under there, your system has interpreted that as fuel. Oh, I have to be really unhappy in order to generate change. Oh, I have to really back myself into a corner in order to get the inspiration to take action on this, right? We teach our systems that that's what's required. Like I have to hit rock bottom in order to stop doing this thing I don't want to do anymore. Oh, I'm getting kind of emotional. This really stirs me up, right? Because it's like, no wonder. It's like, no wonder you know, I talk to my friends and they're like, this is just how my life is. Nothing ever goes right for me. Well, like no wonder. And I'm not saying that it's your fault or that it's my fault or that it's our fault. I'm just saying that we don't know that we're doing this. And so what would be possible if we could draw our awareness to this mechanism that I think probably lives inside of us all to some degree? And what what would life be like if we didn't need to do this anymore? Okay. So let me, I want to draw one more theory and then I want to kind of get into the specifics of what this looks like and then I want to give you a pathway out. So there's this coaching mechanism that is super, super powerful, just this distinction, this delineation of of motivational, like motivational categories, right? And so as humans, we can be we can be motivated in two ways. We can be away motivated, which means that you're trying to get away from something. In yoga, we call this aversion. Um, or you can be towards motivated, right? You can you can be compelled to change by running towards something, something new, something vision. Um, in yoga, we call this attachment, but that's not a perfect parallel, but I digress. Anyway, um, in coaching, so we call this, you're either towards motivated or you're away motivated. And and it, and i'm here to tell you that that we are so much more aligned as humans when we are towards motivated. It is so much more fun when you get to change your life by being so excited about running towards something beautiful than it is to be so effing afraid of something 
or to hate something so much or to be so uncomfortable or dissatisfied or frustrated that you finally use that big ball of whatever that is to compel yourself to act, okay? So whenever we can tap into towards motivation, it's just so much smoother on the inside. It feels so much better, right? And I don't think that we know that life can feel so much better, that it, that, that change and behavior change and pattern change and letting go of that which no longer serves, it doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be horrible. Um, growth doesn't have to hurt all the time right? Okay. So that being said, what, what are some cycles that are created in this way? And so let me just share with you like three types of things that I tend to see with my people. And so probably one of the biggest things that I see is cycles created by procrastination, right? So if you, if you put something off, put something off, put something off long enough, then finally you'll build enough pressure, right? And you'll back yourself into a corner time-wise. You'll probably get a fair amount of fear and anxiety, right? Kind of building in your system. And it finally creates enough urgency, all of that pressure and fear on the inside. And you can kind of fill in the blanks as to what this looks like for you to create enough urgency then that your creativity just has to come out, right? Because you've created such a pressure cooker that there's there's no choice, right? You literally have no choice but to be brilliant, okay? And then here, this is something that isn't in my notes, but but let me go with this. When that happens, then you get a shot of dopamine in your system, right? And then you're, because, because you're like, oh wait, look, I am brilliant. And then so you essentially teach your system that that you need pressure, fear, and urgency to create this hit of dopamine for you to get this feeling of success. And then it's like, oh, I did it. So there's almost an argument that that the more successful we are at procrastination, the worse worse it is for us because it solidifies this linkage in our system that being backed into a corner equals brilliance. Okay? So that's one example of how we use negative emotion, negative energy to propel and fuel a positive result. So what does that look like? Do you procrastinate? How does that show up in your body, in your cycles, in your life? Something else that I've observed is because I, you know, I have been alcohol free for four and a half years at this point, And I work with a lot of my clients, not all of them by any means on changing their relationship with alcohol. I'm a breakthrough coach. I can help anyone break through anything because it's really not about the, the thing. It's about your relationship to the thing. It's about the thoughts you're thinking about yourself in relationship to the thing. So alcohol just happens to be my thing or happened to be my thing in the past. God, that's so fun to say. But um, so I just, I really know a lot about it. But but in my experience, the the alcoholism cycle is sort of like, you know, you drink and drink and drink, and then you show up hungover and feeling badly about yourself. Because ultimately, you know, people largely do things that they regret or don't remember when they're drinking. So then you show up as a, at a deficit. And so you have to make up for yourself, which means you have to overcompensate, which means you have to go into the extreme because alcohol is kind of a collapse. So that means you have to go into the other extreme of like overproducing or whatever that looks like to compensate for it, overgiving, overperforming, which is then inauthentic. And that inauthenticity is probably a source of shame that then leads one to drink again, 
which just creates more shame, more compensation, et cetera, et cetera, rinse, repeat, right? So a lot of times when people try to shame themselves in into not drinking anymore, it's the same fabric that led them to drink in the first place. So shame can't help you exit an already existing shame cycle. And so, you know, please hear me with an open heart and mind here, if, if you will. This is why Alcoholics Anonymous has never been my path, is because focusing more on the problem, creating more shame around my identity as a quote-unquote alcoholic around the problem, didn't, it was negative fuel and it, I couldn't create a positive result using negative fuel. So for me and my clients, we get them to a place where we don't have to show up every day and say, my name is Casey, I'm an alcoholic, because I don't identify as an alcoholic. That part of my identity is healed and in the past, and I don't spend any time or energy devoting myself to the act of not drinking alcohol. All that energy has been freed up to move me forward. Anyway, I digress, but a lot of people try to use shame to convince themselves not to drink anymore, where shame was probably a component of why they drank in the first place. Okay, third, cycles created in relationship by unworthiness, right? So, so many people go into relationships wanting to not be left or wanting to not be abandoned. But then we do all these behaviors of like, you just take what you can get then. And you get your, you, you tell yourself that you'll do anything to maintain connections. So then we get into people pleasing and perfectionism. And you think you have to do X, Y, and Z to keep this relationship or to keep your love, or you have to basically abandon what you think is important to keep the relationship alive. So this is an example of like being afraid of being left alone, using that fear of not being alone to try to create a healthy relationship. And it never really works because then we tap into these, it's, it's a wounded emotion that has led us to the connection. And then we tap into more of our wounding to try to keep the connection, which makes us abandon parts of ourselves, which further exacerbates the wounds, which makes us think we need the relationship more, which makes us more compelled to keep abandoning ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. You tell me what what sticks out most to you. Um, you know, a lot of it, it's it's like it's like people pleasing and people thinking that they have to be a certain way in order to get love, but then they end up just like creating these unreachable expectations and these conditions for relationships that then they have to live up to that are untenable. Right. And so it's like, you know, when you try to call upon quote unquote, I don't really mean this. When you try to call upon sort of the worst parts of yourself or the most wounded parts of yourself, or, you know, the, 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 again, like, yeah, the most wounded parts of yourself and you ask them to then try to create the most brilliant project of your life. Like, what do you think happens? What does that look like for you? I really like the way that I said that when you go to the most wounded parts of yourself and you ask them to create the most brilliance, like, what does that feel like for you? And what are those results look like? So what's the alternative? What's the pathway out of this? Well, like I say with almost every single thing I offer out into the world is that it's a practice. 
it's all yoga, my friends. Like all of this is just a practice at a new way of being. And the first part of the practice is just the awareness of, of now that you have, now that you can see the cycle, now that it's, it's been brought into the light, where does this show up in your life? Where do you beat up on yourself in your life internally to try to get yourself to do something good? All right. And, and just by noticing, does that loosen up the grip that this way of being might have on you just by seeing it? Does that compel you to try to just breathe a little more deeply and find a little more expansion and try to see, oh, well, maybe I don't have to do that. Maybe I could just do a little bit something different. Cause this isn't about an all or like a one and done. This isn't about seeing it and just stopping it. Because what happens with cycles like this, with our thoughts and our emotions and the way they show up in our bodies and our behaviors. And then, and then like, like I said, like with the dopamine hit that you might get when you're successful, it's like our bodies have learned to do this. So in order to change this, it's quite the unraveling, right? It's the, it's an unraveling of your mind. It's an, it's an unraveling and rerouting of your emotional responses to things. It's, it's noticing when you're compelled into these habitual actions that are fueled from a place of fear or lack or or worry and 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 maybe pausing in those moments and saying wait a second like do i really need to take this action from this place okay so please know that this is totally a process and that just by seeing it might be a big key to unlocking the change right in and of itself but here is like really where the the beauty of manifestation really comes alive. And, and I might have a different take on manifestation. Like a lot of people are just like, hey, you know, just start thinking new thoughts, like like tap into your, your vision of your highest self, like tap in to the vision and the emotions and the, the feelings and the thoughts of, of that highest self expression of yourself. And then just go start being that person. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But for me, it's not that simple. I kind of adopt this approach of like, if it were that easy, like you would be doing it already, right? So there's a reason that you're not doing it already. And to me, that reason is because your system is already saturated with your existing scenarios, with your existing strategies, with your existing thoughts, feelings, emotional responses, behaviors, and outcomes. All right. So it's like, you can't take a being that's already saturated with one way of operating in the world and then just slap on another way of operating in the world and expect it to take root. In my mind, in my experience, the way that I understand all this is that we have to diffuse ourselves of that old way of being and it doesn't have to be complete. You don't have to completely get rid of the old perfectly. You just have to loosen the knots. You just have to get rid of the old way of being enough to create some empty space so that there's actually bandwidth and capacity for these new ways of being to start to come in in a, in a practical way that actually anchors them in so that they can stay, okay? So here, here's the part where we have to notice the unconscious way of doing things and give that unconscious way of being permission to exit. We have to out-program, deprogram that unconscious response so that we can have space to mindfully, uh, 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 consciously 
anchor in, invite in the new way of being. All right. And this is what I do with my clients is actively work with them to deprogram so that there's space to reprogram. All right. But what I'll offer you here, if that if, if this feels like exciting to you, then I invite you to reach out to me, book a book a free call right now and we'll get your coaching process started for you. We can start that today. So go ahead. The links are all over my stuff. Anyway, what I'll offer you today is that by tapping into the vision of what you most want, you can really start to live in that area where you can become towards motivated instead of away motivating, away motivated. So start to train your eye on a horizon that is beautiful and that has what you want and that also builds in a way to get there that is also beautiful and benevolent and hopeful and peaceful and easeful and filled with flow. So what I really mean by this, I think my examples might capture it more than my explanation in this moment, is that you can stop drinking alcohol because you think you're a piece of shit and you're filled with shame. And you can try it that way. Or you can stop drinking or change your relationship with alcohol simply because you love yourself so freaking much and you have finally realized that you deserve to live a life without poison and without shame and without hangovers and without regret. And tell me which feels better to you, right? If it feels better to think that you have character defects and character flaws that need to be fixed and managed and remedied every day until the day that you die, or does it feel better to say, you know what? I wasn't put on earth to be in this cycle of, of drinking and hangover and, 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 and being in shame. I was built for so much more. And so I'm going to stop doing this because I want to give that person who is destined for more, I want to give that person a shot. And I know that I can't do that while I'm drinking. And so I'm willing to let this thing go because I love myself so much that I want to give this part of me who hasn't had an opportunity, I want to see what that what they can do. Do you are you picking up what I'm putting down here? So when it comes to food, right? Like maybe you're in a binge cycle with your eating, right? And it's like you can like shame yourself and beat yourself up and tell yourself that like quote unquote, normal people don't do this, or this isn't right, or I'm not supposed to be doing this, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the thoughts are that come that tell you that you just have to eat the food no matter what, and you won't be okay until you're done eating it. Like you can beat yourself up to try to fix that or to try to heal that, mend that response. Or you can just fall so deeply in love with yourself and your own body exactly as it is that you want nothing more than to fuel your one precious system with nourishing foods that lead you exactly where you want to go. All right? You can choose to fall so in love with your life and so in love with yourself and see your value so clearly that even if the people in your life that you're in relationship with don't see your value, you know you're strong enough to be on your own and find someone who does. So when it comes to relationships, you can either fear yourself into playing small and settling for relationships that you know don't really serve you, or you can love yourself so deeply that you can just love your people for the sake of loving them and not because you're afraid to lose them. 
you can give yourself out of just love for love's sake and not out of fear. So I recognize that some of these examples are more concrete and some of them are more elusive, but I think it's important just to share my thoughts and, and, and then it's your job to, to notice the parts that really speak to you when you have a physical response in your body or you have this aha moment. And I would encourage you to journal those down, write those down and come back to them because there's, that means that tells me that there's something there for you that, that is asking to be explored. So what does this all mean to you in your life? When I think of this, I think of like my musical training that I had at the very beginning of my life with my music teacher that used to tell us that when we were hitting a note to try to hit just a little bit higher than the note rather than lower than the note, because there was something about hitting it just slightly too high and then allowing yourself to drift down that was more effortless and also easier on the ears than it was to kind of strain from low and try to elevate that tone to high. And that's kind of how I see this. It's like you can go low with your life and then try to strain yourself up, or you can shoot high and you can choose to believe thoughts that feel good and then, and then let yourself settle into what really is. Does that make sense? I don't know. That's just a vision, a, a, a visual that helps me. Um, so when it comes to shooting high rather than low, when it comes to being toward motivated rather than away motivated, when it comes to fueling your life with love and goodness and passion and purpose and power rather than fueling your life with pressure and negativity and fear and scarcity, this all takes effort, consciousness, awareness, and consistency. That's how this gets changed over time, all right, is that you stay on to yourself and you notice with compassion when you fall into this pattern. And in the moment, you train yourself to transmute it into something else. Again, raising my hand, I can help you with this. Um, it's really the beauty of being pulled forth by the power of your dreams rather than depending on yourself to be spurned forward by the pain of your failures. I wanna, want you to hear me right now that this is your one and precious life. You're allowed to enjoy it. You're allowed to let it feel good. You're allowed to like yourself. You're allowed to love yourself and you're allowed to enjoy yourself along the way. If you need permission, this is it. I'll give it to you so that you can give it to yourself. This is a way for you to practice loving yourself and encouraging yourself into your goals. Practice this and let me know how things, how things shift for you. I am an expert when it comes to supporting people to reroute these subtle, yet very powerful internal tendencies that we have. So when you are ready to make your experience of being yourself more wonderful and less and, and more full of brilliance and power and purpose, if you're, when you're ready to make this experience of your life, have the beauty of it pull you forward rather than running from the pain of it all, 
then I invite you to reach out to me. Okay. This looks different for everyone. Everyone has different conditioning, different messages that we all learn from our families, from the period of time that we broke, that we were raised, raised up in, um, different layers and levels of conditioning that we all receive. This, this isn't a one size fits all, which is why I have my job, right? That this looks different for everyone. So, um, there's no blueprint except for the one that you create for yourself. And I'm here to support you outside looking in with my vision, with my unique lens to support you to create a different blueprint so that you can literally heal this in real time and create a different trajectory, not just for your own life, but for your entire family line. Like holding this, this, this practice and creating behavior change, this is epigenetics. This is how your DNA expression changes in real time. But that will be a podcast for a different day. I love you so much, my friends. Be well. Go forth. Be pulled forward by the power of your dreams rather than by the pain of your failures and your fears. I love you so much. Be well. Until we meet again, namaste.